Hey, Corner Office listeners. You can find us on all streaming platforms such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to check out our Instagram at the Corner Office Pod. Now enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Romeo's Sports Bar and Grill. Conveniently located in Scarborough, Yarmouth, and Topsom, Romeo's Bar and Grill has been a great atmosphere for food, drinks, sports, and family fun since 1989. I've spent many hours inside of Romeo's, and it is my go-to place whenever I need somewhere to watch the big game. My personal favorite item on the menu is the chicken parmesan pizza, but there are plenty of other options like burgers, wings, and appetizers galore. If you are looking for a spot to bring the family, or just a place to relax and enjoy some food, give Romeo's a try. Now back to the action. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Corner Office. Um, the NBA season may be over, but that doesn't mean that we have run out of basketball content to talk about. I mean, there is plenty going on within the NBA scene right now, and, uh, you know, Jack and I are excited to, uh, to to get some of that to you right now. So, uh, yeah, what's, what's going on over there, JB? Well, um, I mean, some argue that the NBA offseason is the best part of the season, and I mean, I'm not one of those guys. I love the basketball part, but even the casual can admit that it's pretty entertaining to see these players, you know, and the drama that surrounds all the trades and, you know, all of what happens and guys like Chris Paul going from one team to another before he never even suits up for a game for them. So personally, this is one of my favorite parts of the NBA season. This and the first day of free agency when guys can sign. I just think it's so exciting. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, we had a we had a, a few major trade events, and um, of course, the NBA draft was on Thursday, and we're going to talk about that and give you guys some grades. Which, if you don't remember, um, that's kind of how we started this whole podcast thing out. Was I think our first or our second episode was just us grading picks from the 2022 draft class. So it's kind of come full circle, um, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, to getting into this stuff. But first, we're going to talk about some trades and some movement right now. So do you have one on your mind that you want to start with? Well, I think that we should go chronologically. Um, it's been a couple days now since this happened, but I think that we have to talk about Bradley Beal's role on the Phoenix Suns. Yes, I I, I very much agree. Am I, I think that's am a good I place wrong? to start. Am I wrong in thinking that the Wizards gave him up for practically nothing? I mean, realistically, they gave him up for Jordan Poole, which is what it turned out to be. But it seemed like they didn't give yeah, they him got, up for as much as they wanted to. They they got Landry Shamit. All right. Ah, uh, I don't consider that on the same level as Bradley Beal. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think that Bradley Beal is, is an aging, fringe all-star type player. He's probably still a top 15 guy in his position, but he's definitely getting older. When he's on the floor. The point of his career. Yes, he's also been battling injuries. Um, so I think that I think that the return for him wasn't really like going to be that great when it comes to, you know, they weren't going to get an all-star caliber player in return for him. So I honestly, I don't think that Jordan Poole is like a really bad, you know, return for a guy like Bradley Beal especially with the amount of picks that they got from everything I mean they get a couple of second round picks and I mean in the way distant future they get a Golden State Warriors first round pick um but I mean let's talk about the initial trade it was to the Suns which so Bradley Beal goes to the Suns Chris Paul and Landry Shamit as well as two second round picks go to the Wizards um and I think everybody knew that once Chris Paul got there there was going to be the intention of 
you know, they're going to try and flip him for another pick, right? I could never see Chris Paul suiting up for a single game on the Washington Wizards. And yeah, no, I don't disagree. So a question that I was left with at first was, Chris Paul was waived by the Phoenix Suns, which I guess means that he won't play any games for them, but that he can still be used as um, trade bait, right? I mean, like, is that what happened? Because I was under the impression that since he was on waivers that he was an unrestricted free agent, that he was not still available to be traded. So when that came out, I was a little surprised. Um, I learned something new there. Uh, I think that, I mean, realistically, the Wizards gave up Bradley Beal for Landry Shamit and two second-round picks. And second-round second round picks just don't mean very much in this NBA. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I can think of, I can think of two players in the NBA who are I mean, legitimately stars that came from the second round, and that's Draymond Green and Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, Jalen Brunson was a second-round pick as well. Oh, um, okay. And I, I think that you can point to a few. I think that it's gotten a little bit better as time has gone on here. Um, but I don't disagree. I don't think that second-round picks are very valuable in today's NBA, which is too bad because, I mean, that's like it's a big part of the market. But I think And a lot the of the best college players end up going in the second round. Correct, because many of the four-year players who, you know, play their entire careers as college basketball athletes, you know, they're not, technically they're not, you know, NBA-built bodies. Like, you see, um, like, guys like Trace Jackson Davis, which we'll get into again with our draft stuff. Like he I mean, like if, you, if you think about it, if you think about it, the top, th- I mean, you could say the top three players in college basketball last year were Drew Timmy, Oscar Chibwe, and... Uh, Trace Jackson Davis and well and Zach Eady and but Zach he didn't Eady. declare this year. Zach Eady didn't declare. Arguably would have gone undrafted. Correct. Timmy and Tashibwe both go undrafted, and Trace Jackson Davis goes in the late second round. So yeah, I mean that late. just goes to show you, like people, like I, I got into some arguments with friends of mine because I, because I was like during the tournament I was like, Drew Timmy's not going to be drafted by any NBA team. Zach Eady is right. not going to be drafted by any NBA team if he goes. And, I mean, that's hard for people to see because they pass the eye test at that level. But, I mean, there's just really no translation for guys like that. And, and I do think that there is some value in, in those picks if you can if you can get them late or if you can sign them after the fact. I do think that there there, there comes a value in, in, in an undrafted player who was good in college. Um because it kind of brings a veteran presence to to the rookie standpoint that I, I think some teams are severely lacking. That being said, I think the most important part of this trade that we haven't discussed yet is the fit with the Suns now, right? You have Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal for at least one more season right now. Do you see Bradley Beal being used in any trades, or do you think that the Suns are going to just roll with him for the rest of the season? The way that they have been talking about him on their social media and the way that they've been like presenting him to the Phoenix Suns fans, it seems like he's there to stay, which, I mean, to me, doesn't seem like a good fit in that scenario, and here's why. The Phoenix Suns have a generational scorer in Kevin Durant who needs to have the Mm -hmm. ball in his hands. He's the number one option on any team that he'll play on. They also have a generational talent in Devin Booker, who will be a number one option on any team that he plays on, as long as he's not around 
Kevin Durant, basically. They now have added Bradley Beal, who has, since John Wall left in 2018, I want to say, since John Wall tore his ACL in maybe 2017, Ooh, has, yeah. has been in that number one role and has gotten used to being in that number one role in Washington. So add a guy like DeAndre Ayton into that mix, who I'm going to talk about later. I, I don't know if he's going to be in that role for very long. Yep. I don't yep. see their team, I mean, progressing to that next level that they're looking for, which in the end game is to have a championship in Phoenix, which has never happened before. Uh, and they have literally zero bench players because they cannot afford them. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think again, with the Suns, you see a team that has a very dominant um, – very dominant starting unit, especially. I I don't think that they should trade Aiton, even though they can't really re-sign him now. Like I think that whole situation is kind of a mess. Either way, um, they're one of those teams in the NBA that has a really dominant um, starting unit, and then you look at their bench, and unfortunately, it's just not as strong as you know many of the other teams that you see with depth, like one through eight on the on the nuggets can can get it done right um so that'll definitely be an issue going forward for them is can they get more bench depth within free agency this year and maybe even making some more moves um i think we're both gonna touch up on deandre Ayton a little bit later in our talks but um i think you pose a good point about the play styles of kevin durant bradley beal and devin booker being a little bit too similar for me for my liking and um i could also see bradley beal becoming more of a second, like becoming a sixth man and coming off the bench for the Suns team and running the second unit. Um, but with all that being said, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see for the upcoming season to see how they, you know, apply this to uh, the future. I think the next logical step for trades that we should talk about is to go to um, Chris Paul being traded to the Golden State Warriors because... I agree. Because that's basically what the Wizards got as a return package for Bradley Beal. So, for those of you who don't know, Chris Paul has been traded to the Golden State Warriors. This was a couple days ago. And the Washington Wizards get Jordan Poole, Ryan Hollins, a 2027 Golden State second round pick, and a 2030 Golden State first round pick. I would like to get your thoughts on this from the Warriors' perspective as well as the Wizards' perspective. To be honest with you, I don't understand it from either perspective. But I'm going to look at the Warriors first. I get so, it from the Wizards, but I don't get it from the Warriors. So, well, I kind of uh, go ahead. Go let's ahead. talk let's talk about the Warriors. Yeah. You are now adding Chris Paul to Steph Curry's lineup as his backup. Most likely will be his backup. If he is a starter, it will allow him to be ball dominant and to let Steph Curry get off the ball which we all know he's incredibly deadly from. But I think that as the lineup is right now, he just doesn't really fit, and he's going to be Steph Curry's backup. And if if there are people out there who don't know the history between these two, Chris Paul was Stephen Curry's mentor when Curry first got into the league, and then Curry took that next step in 2014 and has basically beaten him in every single meeting that they've had since with out failure incredibly handily um and so I don't think that Chris Paul is happy about where he's at I don't know if Steph Curry's happy with this move 
Um, but, you know, I like Jordan Poole's move uh, and his progression in his second or third year, whatever he's in. Um, the part that I understand the most is the Warriors last season paid him a ton of money and he did not perform up to the $190 million price tag that was placed on him this season. And so moving him does clear up a lot of cap space, um, which allows you to reshape Draymond's contract, which I see him resigning. We're going to get into that later. And it allows you to maybe make a move to add to this piece because their championship window is running out. Now, from the Wizards' perspective, you get a young player with a gigantic contract who is not the smartest basketball IQ player, does not take the most high percentage shots, and is not necessarily a guy who can make guys around him better. I think that he's a very talented, pure scorer, but I don't see him as a number one guy, which is what he's going to be on the Wizards. Okay. Yeah, I I don't think that any of that is very off-base. Here's what I'll say. I don't like this fit for the Warriors for a couple of reasons. The number one reason for that is because the Warriors are a team that has always played with a hectic, quick pace. I think Steph Curry even described the Warriors' offense as hectic at um, and during multiple occasions. Um, and the reason that this doesn't work for me is because Chris Paul is the sixth slowest player in the league when it comes to pace, right? His style is very slow and methodical. He likes to think rationally. He likes to pick defenses apart. He likes to do things like that. And the Warriors, that just doesn't really fit their system. Secondly, for the Warriors, their biggest issue right now is the fact that their small ball lineups have not been working, right? Small ball used to work for them when it was like 2016, 2017, 2018, and even with the KD teams with 2018. Um you know, they used to have smaller lineups that would work. But right now, they're missing that dominant big man. To go along with that, Chris Paul is someone who usually gets most of his offensive um, shots and assists coming out of the pick and roll. And the Warriors are in the top five teams in the league who use the least amount of pick and roll offenses or offensive systems. Um, so I just don't really understand this this trade from a Warriors standpoint, aside from the fact that this definitely makes it so that they're going to re-sign Draymond Green. Because I think that there was such an issue with chemistry in the locker room after I think most people know that Draymond Green and Jordan Poole really didn't get along. Um, and after the punch, right, I think that I think right. that the next logical step for the Warriors was to pick a side, whether that was Jordan Poole that they were going to commit to for long term, or if that was Draymond Green. And I think that they just had to get off of Jordan Poole's contract, in, in my opinion. Like, at that point who is more important to your team chemistry, right? I think that's the question that was posed in the Warriors front office. And and all those guys in the Warriors core are roughly the same age, so the championship window is not going to be extended or decreased because one player leaves. When one player hangs it up, the rest of them are going to hang it up relatively soon. So I think that keeping that window alive for as long as possible is the smartest move. I just don't think that they got enough in return for Jordan Poole. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think that I don't think that Chris Paul is um what they were looking for, to be fair. I do in fact though like Jordan Poole on this Wizards team because I think that this just allows him to shoot like 35 shots a game, which is I mean 
absurd, right? But like they have no other options. Like who's your secondary scorer? Like Denny Advia. Ish Smith. Like they have nobody. Corey Kispert, maybe. Oh, Corey you know? Kispert is a good player. Yeah, he is good. Um, but like you understand what I'm saying is that like they have nobody else now because of another trade that we're gonna talk about. And you know, it just means that he gets to jack, he gets to do what he wants to do. And I think that Yo. this is gonna be a situation with Jordan oh, Poole where he's he's gonna he's gonna look back on it and be like so, sort of like the Kyrie um moving from LeBron thing where it was like, Man, I really missed out on being something great with this Warriors team. Yeah, but it's all his fault. Well, I don't know. Getting punched in the face, I feel like, is, you know, like... The, well, I guess. And How much fault can but, you take for that? But you know? have you ever heard of anyone else having a problem with Draymond Green as a teammate? Yes. Who? Kevin Durant did. I, I guess, but that's because Draymond was confrontational. I, in I the feel sense like where a lot of people have have issues with Draymond Green, just period. You know, I mean, but yeah, I, I guess you're right Draymond from the Green. teammate perspective. I hate, playing I, against, I hate playing against him. I just love the way he leads. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his leadership, and I'm a big fan of, of what he brings um, that Warriors team day in and day out. I think that they're also one of the worst defensive teams in the league, by the way, without him on the floor. So he is so vital to their team inside and out that, like, he's a part of the chemistry. He is the Warriors' culture. He is the Warriors' defense. You know, he doesn't do it on offense, and he never really has. And but you know what I was watching the other day? Dudes forget Draymond was getting buckets. I mean, that dude, he was tough in um, Game 7 of the Cavs Finals where they came back in from 3-1. to one. The dude had like a 40-bomb, yeah. and he was their leading scorer, and he was going crazy against LeBron or Kevin Love or whoever was guarding him. Like, he, people forget he got buckets back in the day, and now he's kind of settled into a veteran role. Yeah, I, I feel I, – I heard J.J. Redick talk about this on first take. Uh, I feel really bad for anybody who has to ref Warriors games and deal with Chris Paul and Draymond Green and Stephen Curry. You know, like two of those guys are, are the most menacing people that you can like ever it's a have nightmare as trio. a ref. It's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare duo of Chris Paul and They're, Draymond. They but might get Steph a record number of, of Scott baiting. Foster games. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll brothers. see with that. All right, we we've put it off for long enough. Yeah, let's talk. We, we got to take the, we got to talk about the trade that as a Celtics fan really broke my heart. It hurts, um, and all I've been seeing is edits about him. Yeah, it sucks. It really does. It sucks, man. Um, so, the Celtics, there were rumors of trying to get Kristaps Porzingis, in exchange for Malcolm Brogdon for a couple of days. And then that trade fell through because of the, the damn Clippers. Um, and what? No, it's because Brogdon failed his physical. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. Damn. And and what Brad Stevens decided to do was um, get Kristaps Porzingis for. Like I I he he wanted to get Kristaps Porzingis and unfortunately that meant that the Celtics were going to have to part with Marcus Smart. And I was talking about this the other day, and it kind of just hit me that, I mean, since the big three, we have never watched a team that didn't have Marcus Smart on it. He's made the playoffs all nine years that he's played in Boston. He's without a doubt the heart and soul of the team. Um, 
I mean, when you think of Boston, you think when you think of the modern Boston Celtics. Before I even think of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think of Marcus Smart, and he's just a guy that is just so important to to me, to Celtics Nation, probably to the team itself because, I mean, we have just become accustomed to watching him on the floor. He plays with so much heart and energy that, I mean, it's never going to be easy to say goodbye to him. And there's a lot of really angry Celtics fans about it. And I'm, I'm just, and I'm, I'm, and not, I'm one of them. I'm not one of them. I, I like to, I actually like the move. I'm very excited to see how this plays out. I would have much rather have given up Malcolm Brogdon for it. And I was very excited about having Marcus Smart and Kristaps on the same team. And I'm very disappointed that that did not work and did not go through. But I'm, sometimes you have to give up things that you don't want to give up in order to get better results. In 2018 or 2019, we traded um, Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving, which ended up giving us basically like our entire um, like core of role players that we have right now. And at the time, it really hurt to see one of my favorite Celtics of all time go and basically like destroy his career. But it gave us the entire team that we have now, more or less, and. So sometimes you have to you have to get rid of players that you love and cherish in order to have better things. And we are just in a win now mentality and we're doing what we have to in order to win right now. And honestly, it's an aggressive move from our front office. I have trust in Brad and I really like it and I'm very excited to watch it. Yeah, I hate it for a couple of reasons. Not because of the fit or anything like that with Kristaps Porzingis. I have no idea what that's going to bring. I'm not going to lie. I haven't been familiar with his game since he's been on the Knicks. Um, but in, in my opinion as a Celtics fan and as someone who's watched the Celtics for a number of years, most of them with Marcus Smart on this roster, um, I look at Marcus Smart and I go, that's a guy who should have retired in Celtics green. You know? Um it still may. So it's it's dis- it still may. It, it still may. He he may come back, right? But it's it's disappointing that one we never won a ring with Marcus Smart, and that there was no other way to get this trade done that that may on paper make the Celtics a better team. But I'm very worried about the culture and the fact that you may have lost the trust of you know guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown within your locker room because. I think that they loved Marcus Smart, and I think that they still love Marcus Smart, and I think that this move maybe really hampered, you know, their ability to trust our front office. That move, that part hurts. But let me let me pose a question to you: Will this move be better for the development of Jason Tatum? I don't know. Here's why I say that: Marcus Smart was the locker room leader. And sometimes we saw it more than once in big moments. It was very notable in the Heat game, the Derek White miracle game. Sometimes they turned to him in the biggest scenarios and they looked towards his leadership in those biggest scenarios. And now that he's not there, they're going to have to look to someone else. And that person's going to be Jason Tatum, which is going to force him to step up when it counts. And I honestly think that that's really good for the development of his career. And I think that it might be the thing that takes him 
from an MVP candidate to one of the front runners. And that might be crazy. It might be like diluted Celtics talk. But I think that this move, I think <laughs> Which that this, we're good at. We are very good at, especially me. <laughs> I think that this move will actually be very good for the development of his career. Or Jalen Brown's I'm very career. glad that you think that way. I'm very glad that you think that way. I'm just it's gonna be it's gonna be a sadness for a couple of days. And I think that if we can make it happen, we may have to get back for Marcus Smart's return game to the the Boston Garden. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. That's a huge commitment for me next year. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, so well, let's talk. Do you want to talk like, about Kristaps' fit? Yes, yes. Before we, yeah, before okay. we jump to the next thing, Com- I I don't really know about it. So completely, you, you gotta completely me a bit. contrary to the the Phoenix Suns roster. I think this move makes our roster incredibly dynamic. And we talked about this the other day. I think that our lineup will not consist of the same five guys every night. I think that depending on matchups and depending on what teams that we play on any given night, that our team will be changing and either run two big men with a combination. I think that Kristaps will be in the starting five. But with a combination of um, Kristaps and Rob or Kristaps and Al, probably Rob, I would assume. Probably Rob. And... On nights where we decide to go small ball, we're going to have two guards in that lineup instead and then have Jalen Brown move into the three, Tatum into the four, and Kristaps into the five. So I think that this team, this move makes our team incredibly versatile, incredibly dynamic. Kristaps Porzingis' game, he's a guy that can stretch the floor and pop the three, shoots over 35% from beyond the arc, and he's also a very dominant um post presence and can you know runs the block he put up career highs in both rebounds and points per game last year averaging over 23 and I mean honestly he had over one and a half blocks he was sixth in the league for blocks per game last year so him and Rob in the paint is going to be a complete no-fly zone and if guys can't get into the paint against us they're going to have to rely on pure shot making ability which is which is not going to be there every night so honestly this move makes our lineup incredibly versatile. If you just get by the fact that you love Marcus Smart and consider him your favorite player of all time like I do, or, you know, I don't consider him my favorite player of all time, but he's he's definitely but up one there. one of, yeah. One of. He's up there. Um, I think that you'll see that this, ro- this roster move has the potential to be a very good move and potentially could take us to that next level. Okay. Yeah, I, I I agree. I I just think that the sadness won't I won't be able to get over the sadness for a couple of weeks. And I haven't felt this way like you said since Isaiah Thomas. So. Seeing him in that blue um, jersey is going to be hard. I will not lie. It's going to it's going to be soul crushing. Yeah, it's going to be soul crushing. And I also think that Marcus Smart is going to have a really good season over in Memphis. I agree, especially um, for the first 25 games. You raised that point correct. to me the other night and it was a great point. Yeah, because John Morant will has been suspended for 25 games by Commissioner Adam Silver. Kind of a light suspension, most people were saying, but um, I he, know he didn't do anything with know. his gun. He was just holding. No, it. I know exactly. That's uh, to me, it's it's the perfect amount of time. But I'm just saying, people thought that before. All right, um, I would like to know from you, who do you think is going to be on the move this summer? Either a free agent or someone being traded. Okay, so. I'm, there's a couple like big ones that people are talking about. 
like James Harden, people are talking about DeAndre Ayton moving. Um, I'm not going to talk about any of those. The person that I think will... This is actually, this is quite the stretch. A person, uh-huh. I'm not going to say that I think they're going to move, but a person that I could see in a different uniform next year is Paul George. Okay. I think that the Clippers are starting to become a little unsatisfied with his output and the fact that he is not on the floor very often. And I think that his teammates are getting frustrated. I think that the front office is getting frustrated and that they're in a position right now where they're ready to win and be a contender, but he is holding them back. So, yeah, I think that Paul George could be on a different team by the beginning of next season. Yeah, I I think that's true. I think that I think that the front office of the LA Clippers is getting tired of the fact that both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard won't be on the floor at the same time. I think they've only been on the floor at the same time for what? Was it like 45 games maybe? Over the Has it been 3 years? Have they been there for 3 years? It's been 4. This is going to be their fourth year together. Jeez. No, this Yeah. No. It was four summers ago that they made the move. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a good point. I think that they won't move Kawhi Leonard, as you said. And I think that, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll have to see. We'll have to see for that one. Who's your player? My player, as we mentioned before, is, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, but I think DeAndre Ayton will be on the move. Um, I can see him. I can't see him in a Suns jersey going forward. I think that he wants to move on, and I think that their front office wants to move on from him. I don't know where he's going to go as of right now because I don't think it's anybody hard. Really it's hard to say to because him. Phoenix Phoenix has like one year before they can like get rid of him. Really, um, yeah. I I like the thought of him being on that team because if he leaves that team then they are really incredibly unbalanced and are probably not going to be a winning caliber team. But, I mean, it's just difficult. Like, I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know who's going to trade for him at this point. His contract, people forget his contract is gigantic. Exactly. It's like $195 million, which is a huge I could ask. See, I could see DeAndre Ayton in, in Dallas. Even but after they just drafted so Derek Lively? Yeah, I was going to say, I think even less so now that they drafted Derek Lively. But, I mean, I think that he will have to be on the move somewhere. And I think that he's going to be one of those guys where it's going to be like, oh, whatever happened to DeAndre Ayton, right? Um, so he's a guy that I think will be on the move this offseason. And, yeah, that's that's what I got. All right, well, that's that's all we have for this trade segment. I say that's all we have like we didn't just talk for a half hour. Yep. Now we're gonna kick it to ourselves in studio for a draft um review when we're gonna grade all our picks. Sounds good. All right, and we are here after the draft, ready to talk about it. Um I mean let's just start it right off. This one isn't gonna surprise anyone. Spurs at number one, the odds were minus fifty thousand. $14,000 bet paid out $28. Um, Spurs take Victor Wembanyama at uh, number one, 1-1. One, one. Uh, look, everybody's going to give this one an A+. We haven't seen him play yet. Everybody knew it was going to be one. 
So if he turns into like a LeBron, he's not going to exceed expectations. I'm going to give this pick an A. I think this pick is an A+. Victor Wembanyama is a generational talent. Um, if I had known that the odds were that like that, I probably would have put my house on it, that he was going to go number one overall to the Spurs. We all knew that the Spurs were going to be the winners of this draft when they won the draft lottery because they won the Wembenyama sweepstakes. Uh, the biggest question for him is going to be if he can stay healthy for the course of his career. But for me, I mean, this is an obvious A-plus slam dunk home run type of pick. And if he's anything like, like if he's even a fraction of what the hype is for him, he's going to be an all-NBA caliber player in no time. Yeah, it's it's a good move, no doubt. Um, I just, like, it's hard to exceed the expectations that have been put on him. I definitely agree. And it's not like they had to go out and, like, scout this player and see how he fit into their team. Like, it was an obvious, obvious choice, which is why I'm only giving it an A. Like, they didn't have to go out of their way to go find it. Uh, number two, this may have surprised some people. It did not surprise me. Did not surprise you. You you went 100% on the top four picks. Um, Brandon Miller goes at two. Uh, I think that with the return of, is it Miles Bridges? That's Yeah, Miles yeah. Bridges. And um, LaMelo Ball from injury. And LaMelo Ball. Um, this Hornets team's going to be better. I don't think this is what's going to make them good. I think they're going to have another year or two of being absolutely horrible. Uh, I'm going to give this pick an uh, A-. minus. I don't like this pick for a couple of reasons. Um, the only reason, well, I, I guess the only reason that I don't like this pick is because I think that they passed on Scoot Henderson, which I understand for fit reasons, right? I think that Brandon Miller is a much better fit for the for the Hornets right now, but I think that Scoot Henderson would have been the number one overall pick in pretty much any draft that you look back on for the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, to miss out on a player like that in order to get somebody who is a good player, right? He is the prototypical 3-and-D win in the NBA right now. Um, and Brandon Miller, I mean, I look forward to seeing how he works with this Charlotte uh, offense and how he fits in with, like, LaMelo's passing ability and stuff like that. But for me, I'm going to give this pick a B because I think that you can't pass up on a talent like Scoot Henderson at the number two. I don't think that Scoot would have fit into their game plan very well. Yeah, I don't either, but, I mean, I just don't. I don't think he's a better prospect than this. I gotta gotta dock him some points. Okay, let's move on to Scoot. Scoot went at number three, is going to the Portland Trailblazers, obviously raising questions about their commitment towards Damian Lillard, um, which is another one of those exciting free agent moves that could potentially happen this offseason. With that being said, I give this pick an A. Scoot Henderson, I mean, he's a great finisher. He can attack the rim. And he's literally scared of nobody. Like, he had 25 on um, against the, whatever it is, 92nd-ers, the Mets um, that uh, Victor Wimbanyama played on. So, I mean, he's a fearless player. He undoubtedly has that dog in him. Um, and it's just like a born winner, which is something that you want to see in a guard. Um, I don't know how this Trailblazers team's going to look like. They're going to be horrible. Uh, even with Scoot Henderson, he's not going to make them the best team in the league. But I give this pick an A. 
Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think that Scoot Henderson falling to three is a is a blessing for for this Blazers team who gets a very talented lead guard going forward, um, a guy with all NBA NBA capabilities if he's developed the right way. I do think that this means that Damian Lillard will be on his way out the door though. So a pick for the Blazers. Not sure what their future will hold. Let's move on to the Rockets. I I honestly I don't know anything about the Thompson twins game. I don't watch any overtime elite. Like these next two picks, I'm just gonna blindly both give like a fair, like B, because I don't know anything about their game. Yeah, that's fair. I I think I like the pick of a Men Thompson at four much more than I like the pick of a Sar Thompson at five. A Men Thompson is a six foot seven guard, and a Sar Thompson is a six foot seven wing. There's a difference between the two of them. Both of them have struggles shooting the basketball, and both are very gifted athletes and defenders. So I think that Amen has a higher upside. Or yeah, I, th- I think that Amen has a higher upside, and I, I think that um, you know he's he's definitely someone who I could see being an All Star going forward if he if he continues to develop the desirable traits that he has. But he's going to need to vastly improve his shooting and um, become a much more you know gifted shooter when it when it comes to that so that's that goes for both of them um and Asar at five I I give this pick a B in my opinion I did I grade the last one um yeah you said a okay I give I give a men an a minus and I give Asar a B um I think that Asar went a little bit earlier than most mocks had him because I mean as being said he's not as clean with the handle as his older brother is, or as his as his twin brother is. I mean, the fact that they're twins and they went back to back is, you know, kind of crazy within themselves. Um, he is a better defender than a men, but he is a, li- a little bit less of an athlete. And um, I'm not really sure how many modern NBA wings today can really not shoot the basketball. So he's going to need to vastly improve his shooting in order to be, you know, someone productive in the NBA. But nonetheless, I don't hate the pick um, for the Detroit Pistons at five. Moving on to Orlando. Uh, look, Anthony Black, the Arkansas Razorback program is great. I mean, they took down Kansas, Kansas in the tournament, right? Yeah, they made it to the Sweet 16 this year. I mean, Anthony Black, very talented player. You know, can distribute well, can shoot the ball well, can, you know, drive to the rag. I love. I like this pick for the Magic. I think the Magic are very guard-heavy at the moment right now. Um. This isn't the pick that they traded to the Bulls, right? No, that's later. No, this is not. Okay. Um I I I mean they let's talk about their their uh front court. Or is it their back court? It's back court. Yeah, let's talk about their back court. Back They're court. very guard heavy. Cole They're Anthony. Heavy. They have Cole Anthony, Markel Jaylen Fultz, Suggs. Jalen Suggs, um RJ Hampton. Yep. And now, and Anthony, now Black. Anthony Black. So they have five guards under the age of 26, right? That's a fair number for Markel Fultz. I mean, Markel Fultz is the oldest out of all of them. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's something to think about, isn't it? I mean, they're all incredibly young, but they have five guards who could potentially develop into starters in the NBA. Um, And so, personally, I don't like this pick for the Magic. I think that he's... I mean, I think that maybe we could see him develop into this role, but I just... I mean, there's too many. There's too much competition for him to get enough playing time immediately and to get that experience. So for me, it's a B minus. Yeah, luckily for the Magic, they had the pick at eleven to address what they actually needed, which was shooting. Um, I think that they could have traded back and selected someone 
you know, more fit for them. But I don't hate the Anthony Black pick here. I think that as a six seven guard forward, um, he you know he can get the job done as a point guard. His passing is very good. He has a really high IQ. Needs to improve his shooting as for most of the players within this middle ground um, here. But um, you know I don't I don't overly love this pick and I don't overly hate this pick. So I'm going to give it a strong B minus. Moving down to number That's seven, not the Washington Wizards. Okay, so, uh, a, a relatively weak B minus. The Washington Wizards select Bilal Kolobali. You want me to go first? I mean, you can. So Bilal Kolobali, uh, il Francaise. He plays with Victor Wambanyama on the Mets. Um, honestly, probably got a lot of experience and a lot of publicity because of his time with Victor Wambanyama. Genuinely don't know much about his game. Most of the Mets mixtapes and highlight reels are of Wembenyama. So I don't like I haven't seen much of what he has to offer, but I know that he um is a good playmaker and is someone that can actually probably get a lot of time with the Wizards. Um I think his ceiling is like is like uh I don't know, maybe he's a Tony Parker. Maybe he's a French guy. You know, he's just another French guy who can average however many he averages and, you know, dish the ball as well. I don't see him turning into a superstar, but I can see him playing a solid role on the team that he's on. Yeah, I don't like this pick at all. I think that it's well, all let me grade it. Let me grade him. it. Oh, yeah, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't yeah. know anything about him. I'm giving him a C plus. Okay, that that was where my head was at as well. I think that Bilal Kulabali flew up draft boards because, I mean, he's friends with Victor Wembanyama, and he had really good pre-draft workouts before, um, you know, he got picked. But I, I really hated this pick on draft night, and I still don't like it that much. Um, like, he is, he's a 3 and D wing, and, you know, he, he's... He's playing pro in, in France, which I guess is a good thing because it gives you more experience. I just feel like if you were going to draft below Kulubali, you could have traded back a little bit because this pick does feel like it came a little bit too early. Um, so for that, I'm going to give it a C plus. Moving on to the Indiana Pacers, they select Jerace Walker with the number eight pick. Houston Cougars, another team that I didn't watch very much, um, but I know that I know that. Walker is, I mean, as you can look in the top, you know, 10 picks, it's mostly guard dominated until these picks. I think that he can potentially be a stretch forward that's good on the Pacers and, you know, will be a nice compliment to Benedict Matherin and um, Tyrese Halliburton. But, uh, you know, he has to be able to shoot the ball well. He has to be able to do his job um, in the paint and, you know, get however many rebounds he gets. Uh, the Pacers, again, much like the Magic, or I'm sorry, much like the Wizards, is a place where he will be given the time and the tools that he needs to develop to that next stage. But um, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, I like that. I like that grade from you. Um, I think that the most intriguing part of Jarius Walker's game is his defensive versatility. He's a player who's coming into the NBA with an NBA body already, and standing at six foot seven, six foot eight, he is an intimidating presence on defense, which is always a good thing. Um, but as you said, he does he does need to keep his shooting numbers up and improve his shooting uh, going forward. So, I think that I like this pick for the from the Pacers, who had a very sneaky good draft. Um, and I'm, I'm also going to stick with a B here. 
Moving on down to the Utah Jazz, at the number nine pick, they select Taylor Hendricks from UCF. I know nothing about this pick. This is all you. I'm I'm giving it an 80, like a B minus, because I know nothing about it. Yeah, very fair. He's another three and D wing, standing at six nine, um, and I guess for for this for this Jazz team, he could play for anywhere from the three to the five. Um, Look, he needs he needs to get stronger, especially if the Jazz like envision him as being like a, a a small ball center, which is I think what they they think he's gonna be. Um, but he is a pretty good shooter going in, and I I, I think that for this pick, the the only reason that I feel like I'm gonna um, knock it a little bit is I feel like the Jazz could have gone for someone with a little bit more upside. I think that you know Taylor Hendricks is a pretty safe pick because you know exactly what you're getting. You're getting a good three and D wing. Um, but I think that he'll fit in well with Markinen and, uh, Walker Kessler in that front court to, um, you know, add a little bit of shooting, add a little bit of def- defensive presence to this Utah jazz team. That being said, I'm, I'm going to give this grade a B minus. All right, let's Moving move on. Down. Let's move on. Yep. Um, the Oklahoma city thunder take yet another player that I'm very excited to watch. Uh, Kason Wallace from Kentucky. Those of you who watched Kentucky this season, they had an incredibly disappointing season compared to what their expectations were. This was one of the few bright spots. Which is always had. great for us as Duke Love fans. Love it. Love to see it. But this is one of the bright spots from what they have. Kaysen Wallace was a great player. When he was running the offense, he was incredibly dominant, and he's a great um, rebounder as well, something that people don't really talk about with his game. I'm actually really excited to see his role on this Thunder as um, a backup guard to Josh Giddy and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And I think that he um, will actually get minutes early and will be part of this developing Oklahoma City Thunder team, which is probably my favorite, like the team that I'm most excited to watch next season besides the Celtics. Yep. Give it a grade. Uh, I'm going to give it an A. I love this pick. Interesting. Okay, I think that I like the Casey Wallace pick. Uh, Case and Wallace pick as well, but not as much as you do. Casey Wallace is a prospect who's really good at a lot of things, but isn't particularly great at any one thing, um, which can be a bit concerning. But I guess at the same time, you know, you can always improve in that aspect. Um, I think that his fit on OKC is a bit strange, but that being said, I think that he's also a very promising prospect going forward. And for that, I'm going to give him a B. Moving down to the Orlando Magic via the Bulls, they select Jet Howard at the number 11 pick. Um, Jet Howard, another part of this Michigan Wolverines team that you just expect to see winning every season and didn't this year. And when you look at when you look at a team that has two guys go in the in the lottery and an All-American on their team, you expect to see them win and be in that final conversation, but they weren't even in the tournament, which is another team that I love to see not make it. But Jet Howard, um, son of coach Juwan Howard, great shooter. Um, another guard going to the Magic, which I'm a little concerned about. I think that he'll spend yeah, some he time in the Yeah, he is big, though. He's, he's six foot eight. I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean, he's got some size. So, he's, I mean, he's a, a, a wing. Like, he's going to shoot the ball. Um, I'm excited to see how he plays. I think he'll spend some time in the G League before he goes to, you know, the show. But... I mean, he's a guy that I'm going to give this pick an A-. minus. No, I'm going to give this pick a B plus. I'm excited to really? see how he develops. I'm going to give it a B plus. You're very high on this pick. I am not. 
I don't like this pick for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is I think that there are better shooters out there on the board that the the Magic could have gone after. One of them being Grady Dick, who we're going to get to in a couple minutes here. Um, That being said, I don't hate the pick entirely. I think that the Magic needed shooting, and of course, uh, Jet Howard does give you that. Um, His defense has always been questionable, and I, I don't know like what he projects to be as a shooter, but looking at the two best shooters in the class, they're Grady Dick and and Jordan Hawkins. And both of those guys were selected within the lottery. And I think that they probably would have fit in better with this Orlando magic team. That being said, they did want to go with more size and get a guy who's six foot eight and jet Howard here. So I don't hate the pick. Um, I don't love the pick. I'm going to give it a C. Okay. You're much lower on that pick than I am. Um, Yeah. Let's move to 12 now. This is uh, a guy that I'm incredibly high on. You're just going to hear me ride this guy. Pause. Um, Whoa. That was meant to be a pause. Uh, Give me your thoughts on the Mavericks taking Derek Lively at 12. I love the pick for a couple of reasons. One of those is that I'm a Duke fan, and it's great to see Duke guys go in the lottery. But other than that, um, I think the Mavericks with this pick, um, they acknowledge a really – big issue that they've been having recently which is that rim protection has been incredibly bad um lively led the acc in blocks this year and although he didn't start the season off really strong he has been slowly but surely getting better and better and better well and um, and over the course of the sorry never mind you finished and then i'm gonna go i was gonna say over the course of the ncaa season he did get better and better and um you know, you don't you don't look at his numbers and say that oh they're jumping off the page, but he is going to be a lob threat instantly. He is going to be a an impact defender early, and I think that he's going to fit seamlessly in with this Mavericks team. Go ahead. So, again, love well, this I, pick. I, I give it, I give it a B plus by the way. Okay, love this pick for two reasons. Just like you do, Duke fan. Uh, he was one of my favorite players on this team. Yeah, he probably was my favorite player on this team this year. And I mean, if you guys remember during NCAA season, all I did was talk about him when we talked about Duke. I think that he's going to be um, great. He's going to be a great fit with Luca and and Kyrie if Kyrie stays, which you know is definitely up in the air right now. Um, I mean, you look at the Mavericks team and it's just jumping off the page at you that they need a big man, they need a center and a and a paint presence. He brings that. If you watch his game this year, he missed a significant portion of time with a with a hand or wrist injury, I believe. Um, so we never got to see his true game come out until the NCAA tournament game in the first round. Who did they? Who did we play in the first round? It was Oral, Oral Roberts, Roberts. Oral Roberts, and yep. he had an incredible game. Had like literally eight blocks in the first quarter, and he's not a guy that you look for for a lot of points. He's not a scorer. If I mean, yep. he'll come in and if you give him proper minutes, he'll give you eight points a night. But he's also going to give you ten rebounds and four blocks. So he's going to be a a deadly um, post presence or a deadly uh, paint presence. I mean, defensively and offensively, great lob threat, sets good screens, good screen and roll game. He should be a good fit with Luca. I think he's going to get a lot of time in his first year, and I'm very excited to watch his progression. I give it an A. Yeah, I I, I don't hate that. Um, I think that I'm very much looking forward to how he develops on offense because he is coming in so raw that, you know, you can see the talent is blossoming out of him. He was the number one overall player in high school before going to Duke. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how that goes. 
that being said, I think we should move on to the number 13 pick, the Toronto Raptors select Grady Dick. Go ahead. I mean, you lo- you know my thoughts on Grady Dick. I love him. I love his attitude. I hate his draft night fit. I won't lie to you. That shit was atrocious. Pardon my French. <laughs> but he, he it's it's hard to it's hard to not be a fan of him. His, his personality it's, is it's really is hard to off not the charts be. And, um, his TikTok game is crazy. Yep. I mean, he yep. wore all red, probably knowing he was going to the Raptors at thirteen. They probably told him that if he was on the board, that he was going to be there. Um, deadly shooter absolute sniper from anywhere beyond the beyond the arc um i i honestly don't know how he's going to fit in we'll see if fred van vliet comes back and this locker room stays the same but i mean according to the rumors it probably won't um i'm excited to see him i again think he'll get a lot of minutes in his rookie year kind of reminds me of like a keegan murray you know like a guy who's going to fit right into that team immediately and get his minutes immediately and take that next step after the all-star break I'm excited to see how he goes. I'm going to give it an A. I'm sorry. I'm going to give it an A minus. Okay. I don't hate that. Um yeah, he's he's definitely a player who is a specialist. He's a three-point shooter and that is what he does. He needs to improve on the defensive end of the ball and that's something that's going to come with strength and lateral movement. And um you know, I don't know what his fit is going to be on this Toronto team, but overall I think I'm going to give this a B plus. Moving down to the 14 pick by the New Orleans Pelicans. They also needed shooting, and they select, in my opinion, the second-best shooter in this draft behind Grady Dick, Jordan Hawkins from Connecticut. Another guy who it's really hard to hate. Great story. Um, national champion. I mean, played his ass off in all of those games. Love to see it. He's he's a great player. I think um, having a mentor like Brandon Ingram to kind of show you the ropes, who is like kind of was in that same role coming out of college, you know, kind of had the same bag, um, is huge, and I'm excited to see how he progresses. I think this is a great pick for the Pelicans at 14. I think that he actually slid to 14. Um, I could have seen him going a little earlier, and uh, I'm excited to watch it. I'm going to give it a B plus. Yeah, I'm excited to see this too. I like his fit alongside Zion Williamson and Brandon Ming- and Brandon Ingram on this Pelicans team. Um, I think that he addresses a lot of problems that they have with his shooting, especially if it's as good as Dan Hurley has hyped it up to be. Um, you saw a lot of it in the NCAA tournament, but I'm looking forward to seeing how that translates to the NBA game. And for me, I'm going to give this also a B plus. I'm right there with you. Moving down to the number 15 pick, the last Atlanta pick, Hawks select last pick last of the segment pick in the lottery. Um, the Atlanta Hawks select Kobe Buff- Buffkin from Michigan. Uh, I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, their their backcourt is already full of DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. They don't really need another guard. If I was looking for that, I would have probably taken like a forward or a wing. Honestly, I, dude, I don't, don't know what the don't what like they this need. move. Don't like this move for the Hawks at all. I'm giving this one a C. Yeah, I didn't love it either. I think Kobe Bufkin's a guy that flew up the draft boards after having a pretty productive season um, with Michigan, even though they didn't win a lot of games. Um, I don't love this pick from from their perspective because I don't think that they needed a lead guard. But, I mean, I guess he gets to learn behind Trey Young, and there are worse things than that in the world. Um, I'm going to give this pick a B. I don't love it. I don't really know why they decided to go with it, but I think that they could have made a worse decision. All right, and that wraps up the lottery review. Again, I mean, once mid-season rolls around, we're going to revisit these picks. You know, we're going to listen to it back. We're going to we're going to maybe change our grades um compared to what we originally gave them. But 
As for this episode, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. As always, I'm Jack Byrne. And I'm Alex Penders. Corn on three.